by my spirit. Who's enjoying it so far? Oh, it's what an amazing series. If you weren't here last week, I'd recommend. And I'm not saying it because I preached it, but I know God gave me a word, okay? I'm saying it with all humility, okay? It's not, it's God, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. So that's our foundation scripture, is Zechariah 4, 6, which was this word spoken over our church at the beginning of the year, that it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at the Holy Spirit at creation, and we looked at the Holy Spirit at the new creation, and we realized that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. We saw him in the Old Testament, and um, last week we covered how the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Who can remember the Greek word about dwelling in us? No, I thought you'd practice it all week. Oh, come on. Oikeo. Oikeo. It's the Greek word for dwells. He inhabits. He makes his home in us. The Holy Spirit makes his home in us. And not does he oikeo. He enoikeos. He dwells in us and influences us for good. Do you remember that? I thought it was really good. I thought it was really powerful. So we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, making his home in us, and influencing us for good. Do you know what? The Holy Spirit leads us. As long as we will submit to his leadership, he will lead us. And um, some years ago, I listened to a series of teaching by a guy called John Maxwell, and he used to talk about leadership. He was strong on leadership. And he said, so what is leadership? In, define it in one word. Influence. Leadership is influence. So the Holy Spirit leads us. He's the one who leads us. He's the one who influences us as long as we are following his lead. Okay, there is that caveat. And today, Pentecost. Happy birthday, church. 2,000 years old today. Happy birthday. Look happy, people. Come on. <laughs> right, from the get-go, I need help, okay? I need help. It's not easy standing here and looking at your scary faces, okay? So, so smile, even if you don't mean it, <laughs> okay? But happy birthday, church. But before we get into Pentecost, I want us to go a little bit backwards. We're going to look at what happened uh, before Jesus was crucified at his betrayal and his, before his crucifixion. And he speaks some words to the disciples. And it's in John 14. I'm just going to read them. I'm just going to speak them out. John 14:1. Jesus says these comforting words to the, to the disciples. And he says, I'm going away. Okay. Let not your hearts be troubled. He says that in John 14:1. The same chapter, John 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What beautiful, comforting words. I frequently go to these scriptures. You know, if I'm feeling a little troubled, uh, you know, my peace isn't quite where it should be, these are my go-to scriptures. I'll go there. Jesus promised that he's going to give me peace. He says, peace 
I leave with you, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Come to, come to the Lord. So before Jesus was betrayed, he was speaking these words of comfort to the disciples. And then in the middle of John 14, in John 14 to 16 to 18, he, he says these words. He says, and I will pray the Father, this is Jesus speaking, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. What a promise. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you, talking about himself, Jesus, he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So just leave it up on the screen there for a little bit, Johnny. He says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. And the Greek word for helper there is parakletos. Parakletos. And what is a parakletos? It means it's one who is called to another side. That is the, the, that is the definition of a parakletos. We can see when you read the amplified version of the Bible, it, um, the, the amplified will explain it like this, that I will give you another helper, another one called to your side, another comforter. I will. Jesus has just spoken these words of comfort to the disciples, and he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you another helper. I'm going to give you a comforter, a counselor. You know, if you need counseling, Holy Spirit is the best counselor. He's free. You don't have to pay 40, 50 pounds an hour. He's free. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. He's our helper. He's our intercessor. He's our advocate. He pleads on our behalf. He's our strengthener. The same spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He gives life to our mortal bodies. He's our strengthener. He's our standby. Doesn't matter what you have need of, he's there. He's on standby 24-7. And then he says, but he says there, so that's who the comforter is. But he doesn't, he says, but I'll give you another helper. That means there was a former one. Jesus was the first helper. Jesus was the first paraclete. And he says, I'm going to give you another helper. Jesus was the first comforter in his physical presence. And he's saying, somebody's going to fill in for me. I'm going away, but somebody's going to fill in for me. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not leaving you as orphans. I will send the Father will send the Holy Spirit, the second comforter. In other words, it's someone who's going to stand in the place of Jesus, who's going to stand in his stead. This is who the Holy Spirit is for all who will call on his name and receive him. He doesn't override anyone's will. It's for all who will call on his name. So in a sense, the Holy Spirit will do from the inside what Jesus did on the outside. And what did Jesus do? He would teach, he would correct, he would instruct, he would love, he would remind, he would lead, he would guide. That's what the Holy Spirit is going to do for us. He's going to teach us 
I'll teach you, I'll teach you things. I'll bring to your remembrance. I'll guide you. I'll lead you. I'll instruct you. This is, the, this is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But as Jesus led the disciples and taught them, same way, Holy Spirit is going to lead us from the inside out. And we know that we know the account, we, we, we covered this uh, over Easter about the work that Jesus did, the account that happened at Passover, that Jesus was crucified. Three days later, he was raised from the dead and he walked on this earth with his disciples for 40 days after his resurrection. And during that time of Jesus walking this earth, resurrected state, He'd been to hell. He had died and gone to hell, and he was raised from the dead, and he walked this earth <laughs> for 40 days. You know, sometimes you read these things like, yeah, okay. No, 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 but seriously, Jesus walked, the resurrected Jesus walked the earth for 40 days, and during those 40 days, he gave the great commission to the, to the disciples, and you can read it in Matthew 28 and Mark 16. It says, go into all the world. And preach the gospel and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He says, and in Mark 16, he says, preach the gospel, cast out demons, lay hands on the sick, they will recover. He gives us huge, great commission. And it's a commission, it's not a suggestion. It's a commission for us as believers. This is our great commission. But he says, but don't try and do this on your own strength because you're going to fail. Because it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. So he says it like this in Luke 24. Jesus says to the disciples, this is the resurrected Jesus speaking to the disciples. He says, I send the promise, capital P, the Holy Spirit of my Father upon you. But tarry, in other words, wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He's saying, I'm not, I've not left you as orphans. Wait in Jerusalem. Just wait in Jerusalem until you are endued. That word means you are clothed. Literally means clothed with power from on high. Oh, this is awesome. In other words, fully equipped with strength. Jesus isn't telling us, listen, go do this. I don't know how many of you have raised someone from the dead this week. Okay, we'll cast out that lying spirit at the end of the service. But you know what? He, he's, he, we can't, I couldn't, I couldn't heal a fly or a flea, whichever one it is. I can't remember. I never get it, always get it wrong. But you, I couldn't do anything in my, in my own capacity. I've got, there's nothing in me. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's different. He says, wait, wait in Jerusalem. Don't go in your own strength. Wait until you are endued with power. And that word endued with power, it's gone, is dunamis, dynamite. It's not just a little flicker. Dynamite. You're going to be endued with dynamite. Dyn dynamic power awaits us if we were the disciples in those days. So Luke says it like this in the book of Acts. Book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. He says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them, that's the disciples, don't depart from Jerusalem, wait there, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me, the promise 
For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So in Luke, he said you're going to be endued with power. In Acts chapter 1, he says you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says John truly baptized with water. How did John baptize? It wasn't a font with a sprinkling. It was immersion. That's what we do in family church. Full immersion, under the water and out again. Um, we'll go into that some other time. But it's a full immersion. The word baptize um, means immersion. Total immersion. Where are my notes? They've disappeared. Uh, submerged, to make fully wet. And he says that's what John did for water baptism. There's at least four, four baptisms in the New Testament, by the way. We won't go into it today, but there are, when you see the word baptized, don't always think water baptism. There's baptism into Christ, there's water baptism, there's baptism, John's baptism for repentance, and there's Holy Spirit baptism, just off the top of my head. So there's more than one baptism. So he's talking, but John truly baptized with water. When Jesus was baptized, he went down into the water and he came up, the Spirit of God descended like a dove. So it was total immersion. And he says, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Total immersion by the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Not many days. And you think, yeah, but Lord, you know, with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as a day. How do they know how long they're going to have to wait for? He says, not many days. You know, but okay, we'll see. And in, in Acts 1 verse 8, he says, in Acts 1, 1 verse 8, he says, you shall receive power. There's that word dunamis again. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It doesn't say you shall witness about me. He says you shall be witnesses to me. So the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives will be visible. There's going to be a change in us. And we, we, we can read about this in Acts 8. When there's a guy called Simon the Sorcerer, and, and he, said, he said in Acts 8, I think it was in verse 18, he said, he saw that through the laying on of hands, that the, by the laying on of the apostles' hands, that the, that the Holy Spirit was given to them, and he said, Give, I want this power. He wanted the power. And, um, but he, he was, he, the Bible says he was a believer, and yet he sought after the gift. But I don't believe he was a follower. He could have been an observer. You know, this is, this is, we're going a bit deeper into the Lord here today. This isn't if you want to play games. You want to date Jesus. This is about getting serious with Jesus. You, we, we're not just admiring him from a distance. We, we're engaging. We're embracing but this guy, Simon the sorcerer, he saw there was something visible about the laying on of hands. And he wanted it. He thought he could buy it with money. And, and um, Peter actually said to him, you need to repent, brother. Your heart is not right in this matter. In fact, your heart is full of bitterness and is captive to sin. So he just spoke the word. He said, you, you need to repent. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is not for sale. We can't buy him. 
Okay. But, uh, but the outworking of the Holy Spirit, that, that was a bad example. But there are brilliant, other, other brilliant examples where we see the Holy Spirit being visible, being visible uh, countless other ways throughout the Bible. We see the gift of, we, we see the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, speaking in a heavenly language. We see the gifts of the Spirit. There's nine spiritual gifts of the Spirit, they are, and, we, and we can see them at work. We can hear them at work. There's the, you know, the, whether they're the, the revelation gifts or the utterance gifts or the power gifts, but miracles, signs, and wonders are as a result of the gifts of the Spirit, and they are visible. They are evident. Joel 2, that scripture that I read at the beginning, um, he says, your young men will dream dreams, your... your, your Old men will see visions. Or no, the young men will see visions. Sorry, it's the other way around. Because the old guys are sleeping. So, so they'll have dreams. <laughs> and, um, but, but, but it's for everyone. It's for young and old, regardless of gender. And all of these manifestations, these outworkings of the Holy Spirit are visible. And uh, they are outworking they are as a result of the outworking of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They are visible. So now, the disciples have had this instruction from Jesus while he's walking the earth. And he says, okay, go tarry in Jerusalem. And you know what they did? They obeyed. <laughs> they listened. And so they went down to Jerusalem, and they waited there for 10 days. For 10 days. Jesus ascended, and for another 10 days, they tarried, waited in Jerusalem. Now, bearing in mind... They didn't know what to expect. Jesus has said, wait, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Well, what does the promise of the Father look like? I've got no terms of reference. I have no understanding of what to expect. I can't go back to the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out. So they had no terms of reference. But the Bible says that they continued in one accord for those 10 days in prayer. That's a 10-day prayer meeting. 120 of them in one room. I mean, we can't hardly get on, just three of us, for an hour. You know, there's not, not, no one here, those people that aren't here. But for 10 days, 120 of them seeking God, you know, seeking God in one accord, all of them, one heart, one mind, one focus. They just want to see God. We're praying. Jesus said, go pray until, I, until the Holy Spirit arrives. And that's what they did. So this is the result. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost, hallelujah, had fully come. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord again in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole place where they were sitting where they were sitting and then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each one of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance can we go back just to the beginning there, Johnny, of Acts chapter 2? When the day of Pentecost had fully come. What does that mean? That the, in, Jesus was uh, crucified, buried, 
raised again after the third day. 50 days from the resurrection of Jesus to when the day of Pentecost fully come. It's 50 days from the resurrection of Jesus. The word Pentecost, pente meaning, the, the Greek word meaning uh, 50, actually meaning five, sorry, and kos meaning to the power of 10. So five times 10, uh, five times 10. Yes, thank you. So in the day of Pentecost, 50 days later, from the resurrection of Jesus, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. They were all with one accord. The word, now I've been practicing this word all week. Okay, bear with me. One accord is the Greek word homothumadon. Homothumadon. <laughs> doesn't quite roll off the, the tongue. Homothumadon. But it's a compound of two words, which means to rush along and in unison. To rush along and in unison. They were all, they were basically, they were fervent in prayer. They were fervent in prayer, in one accord, of one mind. That also, that, that Greek word means, the first part of it says homo, which is one and the same, in unison. And thumos is temperament, mind, principle of life, thought. They were they were all with one accord. They were going in the same direction. They had the same mindset. They had the same, they were thinking the same. There was so much unity in that group. They had the same emotions. They had the same passions. They had the same desire. That's, what, that's the key. They were all with one accord in one place. And in verse 4, and it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a unity where there's unity. The Lord commands his blessing. There was an outpouring on the day of Pentecost. And this day, this day of Pentecost, the initial outpouring, took place over 2,000 years ago. And it didn't end there. It is for us today as New Testament believers. And this outpouring turned the world upside down. It turned the world upside down. I mean, when you think about it, those disciples walking with Jesus for three years, seeing him crucified, seeing him resurrected, seeing him ascended, 120 of them in the upper room, praying, seeking God, not knowing what to expect, but they, they just stayed the course. And then suddenly, 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 there came a sound from heaven you know what? Unity has a sound. There's a sound of unity. And I've heard it in this church. There's a sound of unity. There's a sound from heaven. And it's from heaven. It's not man-made. There's a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty, powerful wind. As of a powerful wind. The sound is audible. The, the presence of the Holy Spirit is audible. You can hear him, a sound from heaven, not man-made, heaven. And there appeared on them flames of fire, divided tongues as of fire. The Holy Spirit's presence was visible. The presence of God is audible. The presence of God is visible. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. In, it's, it's tangible, 
The Holy Spirit's presence in a person's life is tangible. It is life-changing. So we're going to just briefly look at the life of a guy called Peter. I love Peter. He's probably one of my favorite disciples. I wish I could really relate to John the Beloved, <laughs> you know, and be all so sweet and cute and lovely, but I'm not. I'm a bit like Peter, and I, but I love Peter. I really, I think he's an amazing guy, um, but because I see the work that God did in his life. And so we're just going to look briefly at Peter. He was one of Jesus' inner circle. He was one of the closest to Jesus. And he was present with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Do you remember when Jesus' robes, his, 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 his robes were white like lightning, the Bible says. White like lightning. And they're going up on, they go up on this mountain, Peter, James, and John, and Jesus. And, and suddenly this, this light, Jesus becomes transfigured. It's the same word as transformed, by the way, transfigured. And um, Elijah and Moses appear on the mount. And Peter, you know, he puts his foot in it every time. He says, Lord, can we at this time, now, let's make three tabernacles. Let's just build some tents. You know, what a great idea. Here's Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets. He says, and, now, and the Messiah now, let's, let's make three tabernacles. And... Um, he always puts his foot in it. He was present at the Last Supper. He was present at the Last Supper. And he said these words to Jesus. He said, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus, <laughs> Peter's words. I'm ready. These are his words. I'm ready to go to prison and to death. This is Peter, outspoken often putting his foot on, foot in his mouth. You know, he hadn't heard that expression that a closed mouth gathers no feet. This guy, he's the one who fell asleep in Gethsemane at Jesus' most dire moment in Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood. Peter fell asleep. Peter declared his allegiance to Jesus and then denied him three times. He's the one who cut off the high priest's ear, the high priest's servant's ear in, in Gethsemane. He was excitable. He's always doing the wrong thing and so competitive. You know, him and John, they raced each other to the tomb. John stood at the door. No, Peter goes straight in. He goes straight in looking for the body of Jesus. Just John observed from the entrance. Peter went straight in. He's inconsistent. One minute he's walking on water. <laughs> the next thing he's sinking. He starts looking at the circumstances. He starts looking at the wind and the waves. And I'm not criticizing him from, for that because, it, praise God, at least he got out the boat. All the others were sitting in the boat. You know, so sometimes when you've got the mouth, you, you're the one that gets into trouble. That's one I know. But anyway, so he's, um, he starts sinking. Yet on the day of Pentecost, on this day, he was there. He was there, this uneducated fisherman from Galilee was baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit, and he stood up and he preached the most inspiring, inspirational message, an amazing sermon. And the interesting thing about Peter, this, he's an uneducated fisherman. He hadn't spent a week studying the Greek words. 
<laughs> trying to get them out of his mouth. You know what I'm saying? He didn't have a Strong's Concordance. He didn't have a parallel Bible. He didn't have a Greek lexicon. He didn't know the Hebrew words. He, didn't, he just stood up full of the Holy Spirit and preached this amazing message, was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and courage replaced fear in this guy's life. Where Peter had previously denied Jesus, after he had been endued on, from, with power from on high, he preached the most amazing message. And that day, 3,000 people were saved. That day, that was the beginning. That was the birth of the church. So the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is always evident. A year later, the next chapter, chapter 3, Acts chapter 3. You know, we sometimes we read these things and we think, it's the next day. <laughs> no, it's a year later. A year later. Peter and John are at the temple beautiful, and there at the gate to the temple is a guy who's been crippled from birth. He's 40 years old. And Peter and John perform what the Bible says is a notable miracle. This guy's been lame from birth. And um, they, lay, they say, silver and gold have I none. Look at me, silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And this guy who'd been born lame was healed. <sighs> Come on, people. He was healed. He went walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping and praising God. But this was awesome. Through a that was a power gift in operation. It was one of the gifts of the Spirit. A year after Pentecost. So the Sadducees didn't like this. So they arrested him. They arrested Peter. They questioned him. And they threw him into prison. But the Bible says the church continued to grow. It's amazing what a little bit of persecution can do. Because suddenly the church went from 3,000 to 5,000. And suddenly the church is growing. The, San, the, the Sadducees released him from prison and then the Sanhedrin got involved, this religious bunch. You know, well, we're not so sure about all of this. But in, in Acts 4.8 it says, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit a year later. He's still filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. A year had passed and yet he's still filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 4.13 Acts 4, 13, can we have it up? Is it up there? Thanks. When they saw the boldness, a year later, they saw the boldness of Peter. This is the Sanhedrin. And perceived they were uneducated and untrained. You know, it doesn't matter what your background is. It, it doesn't matter if you don't have a university degree or whatever you don't have. You need, the, you need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to get through this life. Man, this life is hard. I don't know if anyone's noticed. I don't know, maybe it's only me. But I tell you what, I'm experiencing some difficulties and hardships in my life. But I don't know what I do without the Holy Spirit. Because I know what my life was like before. And I know what my life was like since. And I don't think I would have survived a day without the presence of God in my life. This is serious stuff. 
This is serious stuff. But it's not for a select few. It's not for you've got to act a certain way, you've got to behave a certain way. It's not about behavior modification. This is about seeking and desiring the presence of God in my life because my life is a mess and, Lord, I need you in every measure. Whatever you want for me, Lord, I need you, Jesus. I need your Holy Spirit in my life to get through my life on a daily basis. On a daily basis. Peter and John, uneducated fishermen from Galilee, these guys, these Sanhedrin, the religious guys of the day, oh, they perceived these guys are uneducated, they're untrained, they haven't done seminary, they haven't gone to Bible college, but they realized they'd been with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. And seeing the man who'd been healed, they couldn't argue. They could say nothing. You cannot argue against the proof. You cannot argue with the evidence. The the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was still evident in his life. Fast forward nine years after Pentecost, God continued to use Peter. And amazingly, the way he used Peter was just awesome. I just wanted to study just what, what, what happened with Peter. He went to Joppa in Acts chapter 9. Oh, no, sorry, he didn't go to Joppa. He, he healed a man called Aeneas. Aeneas. This guy had been bedridden for eight years. He was paralyzed. Peter comes along, lays hands on the guy. He's healed. After eight years, it doesn't matter what, how long you've been suffering with the thing for. Just like that. Just under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you will be healed in Jesus' name. Acts 9, he went to Joppa. Nine years later, finds a woman called Dorcas. Raises her from the dead. Raises her from the dead. Ten years after Pentecost, Acts chapter 10, Peter preaches to Cornelius' household. The first time he, 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 God called him to preach to the Gentiles, and the whole of Cornelius' household gets saved. 24 years after Pentecost, we'll think about the Apostle Paul. 24 years after Pentecost, Paul found some disciples in Ephesus. They'd heard the gospel, but they'd never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it says in Acts 19.6, Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. 24 years after Pentecost. That's a long time. So we're going to come into land now. Ephesians chapter 5. We recently went through a series on the will of God. Ephesians 5, verse 17 and 18. It says, Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We need to understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And that word, those words, be filled with the Spirit, is a present passive imperative. And all that that really means is that this filling is not a singular event. It's a continuous replenishment. 
It's a continuous replenishment. That actually means do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled and keep on being filled with the Spirit. So there's one baptism in the Holy Spirit, but many infillings. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you were filled with the Holy Spirit at salvation, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And you might be feeling a little dry, a little crusty. Today we're going to pray for you if you want to receive an infilling of the Holy Spirit. How did Peter manage it? How, he couldn't have relied like, on the smell of an oil rag from so many X years ago, 10 years ago, and how he carried on until he was in his 60s before he died. He ministered all his life from when he was in his 30s, for 30 years of ministry. How did he, he couldn't have relied on Pentecost. And we see how, how successful the outworking of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this man's life. So two requirements for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Number one, you must be born again. If you are not born again, you, the Holy Spirit is not for you. You must be born again. You must be born again. Receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. We, we read in, the, in, in, the, in that scripture from right from the get-go, this, I will pray the Father, he will give you another helper, the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive. For it neither sees him nor knows him, but, he, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The disciples were born again after Jesus' ascension in John 20. He breathed on them the Holy Spirit. They were the first, Jesus was the firstborn among, the, among many brethren, but he breathed on them the Spirit. They were born again. And then at Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. At salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is subsequent to salvation. You must be born again. So one requirement, you must be born again. Number two, you must desire the baptism in the Holy Spirit. God's not going to take over the steering wheel. You must desire the infilling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 7 says, On that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his belly, some say, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Maybe you're feeling dry. Maybe you're feeling crusty. Maybe you're feeling like, hang on, I think I could do with a little bit of an infilling. Today's your day. We're going to pray for you. Let's stand to our feet. First of all, I want to give everyone an opportunity. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you want to today, I want to, I want to lead you in a prayer. Is there anybody here today? Let's just close our eyes. Let's just close our eyes. Thank you, Lord. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody's looking around. 
If anybody here wants to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, now's your opportunity. Just raise your hand if that's you, if you want to receive him, and I'll pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you, Lord, for your power. Father, I thank you, Lord, for salvation. I thank you, Jesus, that you went to that cross and you died on that cross for me. You died on that cross and I received you as my personal Lord and Savior. Father, I I just feel like there's a battle going on in someone's heart right now. You've heard the truth, but there's a battle going on in your heart. Just open up your heart. Just open up your heart. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to become weird. Nothing difficult, nothing different. Just receive him in your heart today. The Bible says, Jesus says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If anyone hears, open the door and allow me to come in. So Lord, I thank you that today people respond to you. They receive you as their personal Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray for that one, those two, those three, those people that are hesitant. Lord, I just thank you for for bringing them here today. I thank you, Lord, for an understanding of your great love for them, how you gave yourself, how you laid down your life for them. We give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, I just pray as well for those who want to receive an infilling of the Holy Spirit this morning. Father God, that they'd even have boldness to step out from their seats and come forward and we will lay hands on them, as you said in your word. So Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your power. Thank you for, your, uh, for, for the baptism in the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. If anybody here wants to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, maybe for the first time with the evidence of speaking in tongues or for an infilling, for a refilling of that Holy Spirit's presence, now is your time. Come forward, Chris and I would count it an honor and a privilege to pray for you.